Hey guys, it's Varun Raja here, back on the Girls Chase podcast. As promised, today we cover the other side of my conversation with Chase Amante, how to build and handle incredible monogamous relationships. We could also call this creating a partnership with your girlfriend. And Chase and I covered almost every nook and cranny we could cover in relationship setup and management for under two hours. Hence, this podcast is a little longer and meatier than usual, but I encourage you to stick through the whole thing, taking in Chase's awesome knowledge to find and keep that special woman for you. Chase also covers a few sneak peeks into his new course. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Girls Chase podcast. In the last episode we had here, Chase and I discussed how to convert sexual encounters into ongoing relationships. Now, this time around, I have Chase back on again, and we're discussing how to convert that one girl you really like into an extraordinary relationship. In other words, your girlfriend. Chase, welcome back to the podcast. Howdy, Varun. Good to be back. Awesome. Great to have you back. Now, let's start our discussion here with maybe a talk about monogamy. I mean, why... Is it that people want to have monogamy? Is that the uh, is that the natural way that we should run our relationships, or is it like a natural setting to have one in? I think for the purposes of child rearing and child bearing, which is ultimately the point of sexual reproduction, it's probably the most efficient way to do that. It's um it's pretty difficult if you're a very high resource man. It can be more practical to have multiple wives or uh, multiple mothers of your children. But just for straight up making babies and raising babies, it's kind of the best plan to have just two people that are focused on that. Now, some of the wrinkles come in that, you know, uh, a lot of, I'm not going to say couples in modern societies are not looking to have children right away. You know, there's a long hookup dating process. People spend most of their 20s and much of their 30s, and they may not ever want to have children but they're still kind of following these same trajectories that are aimed at producing children. So you have the fall in love emotions where you just want to have sex all the time and spend all your time with this other person early on into the relationship. And that kind of eliminates the desire to go out and, and meet other people when you get those kinds of emotions kicking in. So it seems like monogamy is something that most people are kind of programmed to head towards. And you may have periods where you're going around and dating a lot, but then you meet a girl you like and she feels the same way. And then suddenly the two of you just don't really have much interest in seeing other people. Uh, it seems like there are right. some guys that that doesn't happen for, you know, they pretty much actually, no, you know, come to think of it. I can't really think of any guys I know that never go through a period where they're pretty much happy with one girl. And, you know, maybe they still push themselves to see other girls, but it's not really the a strong natural desire. You mean, People generally and naturally settle into just staying with one girl long term if they meet the right person. Yeah, and it depends on the guy how long that'll last for. You know, some guys do it for six months and then they got to be free again. Right, and perhaps from a woman's point of view too, it's the same thing, right? I mean, sometimes she'll want to be in a longer relationship for some time, and then suddenly there'll be a desire to change to someone else if she's not getting what she ultimately wants out of that relationship. Yeah. Exactly. Now, is this something that we're taught to settle into monogamous relationships just because of what we see in society all around us? Because that's what everyone keeps doing and what everyone else around us does. 
or is it more like how we're bound emotionally as human beings, the kind of emotional creatures we are? Yeah, I think it's kind of an intrinsic human trait. I can't think of any societies off the top of my head I know of where they don't have some form of monogamy. Hmm. Even when you have societies that have a very loose relationship set up, sort of like the, uh, you know, a lot of matriarchal hunter-gatherer tribes will have a setup where the man and woman never really get married and they can split up at any time. The children may be raised by the, the female's family since... You know, the male won't raise the child because there's no guarantee of paternity. So instead, the males right. raise their sisters and cousins and female cousins and aunts, their children. Hmm. So even with setups like those, though, a woman and man will pair up for a while and won't really see other people usually. Right. And of course, there are always the super high drive individuals who, and sometimes people that have different personality dispositions that never really fully commit to monogamy for whatever reason, but... Most people seem to be driven towards either full-on monogamy or something that approximates monogamy. Interesting. And how does media and uh, just stories and romance and notions of romance support or like validate or invalidate monogamy? Like the kind of perceptions we have about the kind of relationships we want to have. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'd say that it really plays a kind of a does all the angles. Maybe you know there hmm. there are the fairy tales where. The guy and the girl fall in love, and, and it's just this wonderful, incredible courtship, and it's kind of held up as the ideal. But then you got the, the sex in the city kinds of things, or the, all the shows promoting hookup culture, showing people, uh, um, I think the male version's Entourage, maybe, or, or uh, Californication. <laughs> yeah, probably. So you have plenty of these shows that also show, you know, it's fun to be single and sleep with lots of people, or maybe even have multiple uh, ongoing relationships, basically everything other than monogamy. And monogamy will still work its way into those shows to some extent. Sometimes the characters wrestle with it. Do they do they really want to do this or not? This doesn't seem to be something that's you know just for our age. This is something that's always going on human history. There are some letters that have survived of George Washington back in the late 1700s telling mm-hmm. his nephew that it's time to stop playing around and get serious and pick one girl and start a family. <laughs> So this has been going on for a very long time, even in America. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. We always think our our ancestors are these, uh, must have been these straight-laced people, and they just did monogamy, and we're the crazy ones who are doing all this hooking up and dating different people, but it doesn't seem to be the case. I feel like it's a trend time and time again. I mean, even in terms of just the very notion of masculinity, what real men, you know, what generation they exist in, seems to be a lot of times catered to some of the mid-20th century generation sometimes, or even older than that, where you see all these very delineated roles between men and women that are less clear now, perhaps, as they were before. Yeah, that arguably might be something that just happens in late-stage civilizations, where yeah, you're wealthy and powerful. You don't have as much need for those clearly delineated sex roles. So you have people moving more towards the middle. But then in terms of a monogamous relationship, I would probably imagine that you argue... It is very good and very powerful to have at least some delineation in the roles within a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I'd argue for at least as far as the enjoyment and happiness of the relationship is concerned and for your own self-esteem and feeling of control over your life, you want clearly delineated sex roles. There's actually some research showing that the stablest long-term relationships are the ones where the woman is in charge, but I have some serious Mm. doubts about the level of satisfaction 
both partners in those relationships. Interesting. Well, we also see uh, interesting patterns among cultures, right? Like uh, a Western civilization versus the monogamous relationships that exist in some other Eastern civilizations or even Latin American civilizations seem to look and appear very different when you really look into the nooks and crannies of them, right? Yeah, there's all kinds of interesting things going on if you start looking around at different cultures. In Japan, it's pretty common for a man and woman get married and they have a monogamous marriage, but they end up not, after they have children, I guess, they reach a point where they're just not sleeping with each other anymore and the man has a mistress and then the wife has her guy on the side. And it's just kind of accepted that that's the way it is. They don't get divorced, but they're not really romantically involved anymore. Just these two people who live together and have children together. Hmm. And what do you think of that? I mean, is that notion kind of a betrayal of true love or what we have you that we might be aspiring to in a monogamous relationship? I'm admittedly not particularly idealistic about you know, love or romance or anything. So for me, the more interesting question is, if you see a pattern, and lots of people are enacting that pattern, then uh, that pattern, it must serve some purpose inside the culture, inside these individual people's lives. So if it's happening, obviously there's a reason for it to be happening, and it must be better than perhaps some of the alternatives. So the more interesting question to me is, why is that happening, and why are they doing that and not other options? Like staying together or splitting up and getting together with the new partner whom they obviously have more attraction for. Right. I guess this is another tool to manage the dual desires between raising children and having a family versus also the human need to seek out new partners and new romantic relationships with different people over the course of our lives. Definitely. So, well, on considerations for monogamy and the future relationship, and just setting that up in general, like, why is it so important for us as men to know what we want in a partner and in a woman? Well, the importance of that to me is that if you don't know what you want, then you're prone to... So if you're looking at a monogamous situation, you get a man and a woman. And both of these people have different degrees of certainty about what they're looking for in life, in a partner, in this particular partner, in the relationship with that partner. And the certainty that you have in what it is you're looking for will influence your frame control, how you interact with this other person, basically how you proceed with everything in the relationship. So if you go in and you're kind of fuzzy and you're like, you know, I like this girl, I don't really know what I want, but she has a little bit more of a clear idea about what she wants with you, she's going to gradually drive things toward that while you, because you're fuzzy, won't be able to resist as much because you're like, well, you know, I don't, she's suggesting this, I don't really know, I guess I'll just go along with it. And you end up doing what she wants, which may, if you're fortunate, Maybe that ends up being what you want too, but it also may end up not being what you want. And that's kind of the thing that we're trying to avoid, falling into these situations that you don't want to be in. We're kind of talking about now the subtleties of frame control as they kind of happen over time, right? I mean, people in relationships, maybe there's subtle shifts in powers or dynamics that could happen if you're not exactly clear on what you're looking for or what you want out of the relationship. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you start seeing a girl and and, uh, you've been seeing her for two or three weeks and you're not really clear on exactly what you want. You're just kind of going with it. You know that you like this girl. You're not super crazy about her, but you're having fun. And then she shows up one day and she says, hey, my friends are having a party this weekend. Do you want to come? And you're just like, oh, you know, parties, they're cool. I like drinking. 
and this girl's fun. We can hook up after the party. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I'll go. So you go and you meet her friends and she kind of ropes you in and start impressing the friends. They all like you. And after that, then she's going to start most likely inviting you to more things with her friends. Or she might want to meet your friends. And suddenly now this relationship is progressing much more quickly into serious territory than perhaps it would have had you not gone to meet her friends. But because you weren't thinking like, okay, I just want to keep this pretty casual for now while I get more of a feel for this girl. Uh, you just went along with what she proposed. Cause she's the one that had kind of a more clear idea about what she wanted with you. Right. But if you were also to resist her efforts to um, invite you out, or just say, no, maybe I just don't want to go meet your friends this time, or I'm not ready yet, how would that show up in her eyes? In terms of, you know, would you be actually putting up more of a challenge to her to be in a relationship with her, or would you actually kind of be setting her into kind of lowering your attainability in her eyes? Well, it depends on how much she wants that kind of a relationship, how much she wants it with you, and also... It depends on how exactly you deflect her invitation. So if you just straight up tell her, no, I don't want to meet your friends, she's probably going to take that one way. And if you say, yeah, you know, that sounds really fun, but I'm just not much of a party guy these days. i kind of uh, a little bit more lazy. I used to party a lot, but I'm just not really into parties this time. So I'll probably skip that one, but I really appreciate the invite. Now, if you do it that way, then it's a, a very different effect. Me and it's more... One's more casual. It's uh, Keeping her hopes up a little bit. Could be keeping her hopes up, but it's more just dismissing the particular invitation rather than just kind of blanket saying, I don't want to meet your friends. I'm not interested in that. I just want to keep this straight up casual. Which, if you know that you 100% just want to keep it casual, then you can go ahead and tell her, like, look, I really have no interest in meeting your friends. I just like spending time with you. You can do that and it'll, it'll work well. Unless she really doesn't want that. And then you might have problems. But if you're not sure what you want, which I think a lot of guys are, a lot of guys have kind of like a more vague idea, but they just know, hey, I don't think now is the right time to meet her friends. Then you kind of want to deflect it in a way that doesn't necessarily close off the opportunity to have a more substantial relationship with her later on. Interesting. So then you're kind of going at your own pace and you're in control, ultimately. Precisely. Yeah. Now, how do we determine when we're dating a girl and it's still pretty early on, what exactly it is that she wants? Like, what are her considerations for a future relationship with you, or what is she ultimately looking for? Maybe seen in her behaviors, or the way she messages you, or the way she talks to you. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not always going to be clear from girl to girl. So I think the thing to, to realize is that different women are going to want to go at different paces, and they have different end goals with you. And also that with every girl that you date... There's a pace you can move at that will be simply too slow for her, but there's also a pace that's going to be too fast. Even if she's crazy about you, it's still going to be possible for you to just go too fast, you know, mm. if it's the third date and you're like, hey, let's make babies together. Unless she's, <laughs> you know, she's going to be like, whoa, hey, I really like you, but uh, that's a little much for me right now. Whereas right. the alternative is, you know, if you've been dating each other for six months and you still don't want to meet her friends or introduce her to your friends and you still don't want to do anything other than booty call her, then... uh that's probably going to be too slow unless that's what she wants. And this is kind of talking about in, in months, like three months, two months? Well, I'm just, just using that as an example, but it depends. I mean, there there's a girl that, yeah. you know, you could date a girl that it's been a month and it's just booty calls and she's she's fed up because she, that's not what she wants at all. Or is there could be another girl six months out and she's still fine with that. So it depends on the girl what pace 
she is okay to to move at. And sometimes you can tell because a girl will be continually pressing you to make things more serious, or she's mm-hmm. really blasé about anything. She doesn't push for anything. She just shows up for the booty call and then leaves. But you don't always know completely because you know people play games. She's not always going to be completely honest. She may think that it's your mission to push things forward if you like her, so she's not going to push them, or she may be afraid to. So you can't always mm. quite tell. But generally, if she's if she's trying to rope you into more and more boyfriend girlfriend type things, then that's a pretty good indication that she wants it to move in that direction. And if she's continuing to come over just for hookup dates, and she seems perfectly happy, and and you're not picking up any signs of discontent within her, then she's probably okay with maintaining that for a while. Hmm. Okay. So how do we tell what a girl really wants then? Just by with so many you know different angles from which to go from here and every woman is different what does a man to really do well the assumption here is that she knows what she wants which is not the best assumption to make because what will happen is what a woman wants with you is going to change on any given day so you know she may be coming to meet you one day and feeling like wow you know Varun is this amazing guy i'd really like a serious relationship with him and then maybe the next day she's coming over she's thinking oh i can't believe Varun did that again I don't want this to ever be anything other than just a casual relationship. So it's, it's going to change as things go along. Oh, man, yeah. I've been through that a couple of times, or even kind of the opposite. It's like, I just wish he would commit. I just yeah. wish he would do it. I just want to stay in it until he does. Yeah. The mood changes, ups and downs. Yeah, the mood always seems to change, and you kind of want to go with the flow. Yet at the same time, at the end of the day, if we know what we want, I was going to say the uh, the chief indicator to look for, actually, is what makes her unhappy around you. Yeah. If you can pick up a pattern and what's making her unhappy, you can kind of uh, figure out roughly what kind of relationship she wants. So, for instance, if she wants to keep things casual and you start doing more boyfriendy stuff with her, you may notice she starts to seem increasingly unhappy spending time with you. And that's actually going to be an indication you're moving too quickly with her towards something serious. On the other hand, if nothing ever changes, you just keep doing the same thing all the time and she seems to get progressively less and less happy or she's less and less eager to meet up with you, then that probably means that you're moving too slow. It's not moving in the direction she wanted to move in. Right. Now, in that sort of situation where perhaps you know that maybe this is a girl you just want to keep seeing casually and yet you know that she's kind of unhappy with the way things are going... Or perhaps it's the other way around, where you know you want to see a woman in a more serious capacity, and yet she's not really kind of keeping up to your pace that you'd like, making it serious. Would you recommend that you like you keep seeing that girl, keep dating the, the girl, or letting it fizzle out or run its own course? Or would you rather, at this point in your relationship, whatever it might be, just end it and go pursue a woman that actually is what you're looking for? Well, if I'm talking to a guy who's my student and I know that he's going out and he's meeting girls and he's on kind of an upward trajectory in his life, then my response to him is going to be, if you want it to get serious and she clearly doesn't want it to be serious, or if you want to keep it casual and she clearly doesn't want that, then just let her go, set her free. Because you don't want an unhappy woman hanging around you. It's going to impact you. You're having a negative impact on her life. And... Letting her go is actually probably the best way to have her later come back and give you what you want, rather than hanging on to her and trying to hope that she comes around. Right. Now, for 
kind of like a, a regular guy in that situation, sometimes that's hard to do because he's got this girl and he doesn't really want something serious with her, but he knows it's going to be difficult for him to replace her. So and that, that's a situation where guys will sometimes start making compromises. We'll say, okay, I guess I can meet your friends, even though he doesn't want something serious. And she gets all delighted. So in my opinion, that's kind of a bad way to proceed with the relationship because then you're kind of getting sucked into a relationship you don't really want to be in. And at the same time, it's, it's leading her on and giving her a lot of hope. However, I have seen things like that turn into eventual marriage and children with guys. And it seems like it's not too uncommon, actually. So it can actually mm-hmm. lead to the woman's desired end result. And then, you know, it's not like the guy is miserable. He's not overjoyed, but he's kind of like, well, I guess it's okay. You know, if he was that right. miserable, he probably would have gotten out. And then the other way around, if you want something serious and she doesn't, that's typically going to be a recipe for the guy to get his heart broken because unless she starts seeing some other guy and that guy breaks her heart, she comes running back to him for comfort. Even if she does that after she feels comforted and, and back to her old self, she's going to start looking again for someone more interesting or exciting or some guy that she wants to commit to. You mean she's going to feel like she's settled in a way. Yeah, exactly. It's just the, it's the flip side of the other, of the other uh, problem we were just talking about. Um, right. And that can still end up where the guy and the girl get married, but it's typically going to be one where the woman is usually wearing the pants in the relationship because if the guy was chasing after her for a relationship and she was running away, she didn't want it. You know, that's different from you're chasing a girl who doesn't want to go out with you. And then once you get her and sleep with her, and now suddenly, now she wants to be in a relationship. That that, that can work out <laughs> fine. Yeah. But if she's already sleeping with you and spending time with you and she doesn't want something serious with you, that doesn't usually work out to the best or healthiest relationships for the guy in in my experience right okay so in a way it's sort of easier for a man to settle and that's probably the more common pattern than it is for a woman to settle for a man yeah in both cases where someone's settling you're never going to be super happy but if you're the one that's settling a little bit it seems like you know most guys most guys ultimately seem like they just want to be content in their relationships. They're not looking to be joyously happy all the time. So I think that can work out okay for a lot of guys. But if it's if the woman is settling for you, she'll tend to continually become that itch keeps coming back. And, you know, she's out there, and as a woman goes about her life, even if she's monogamous, there are still other guys that think she's cute, and they talk to her and ask her out and. If she always feels like, you know, I'm with Bill, but Bill's never really done it for me. And this new guy I just met, you know, he's really exciting. That can create some problems for you. Yeah, I guess women never really leave the game if they're attractive. They're always getting approached and always being desired by other men. So the only guarantee of maybe true commitment that you have is that she's truly invested and attracted to you constantly. Yeah. If you're with her. If you're still going to go for a girl that's going to settle for you, I advise you move her out into the middle of nowhere where the, there aren't any other guys she could meet that are going <laughs> to peel her away from you. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a whole different lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe uh, going to another discussion on what makes a relationship function. I mean, what is uh, you've talked before about creating a purpose for your relationship. Now, why is this so critical to have a purpose for two of you being together? Well, the purpose, for one, it's going to inform you knowing what you want with the relationship, which helps with all that relationship management, helps you not fall into the wrong kind of relationship. For another one, 
it avoids the trap of happily ever after. You know, for a lot of people, they look at their relationships and the goal is just happily ever after. We're going to be together forever and we're always going to be happy. And when it's just something like that, it's this very kind of amorphous goal and you're just chasing this emotion. As soon as it isn't happy, the relationship is now not fulfilling its purpose. So what do you do when, when you're not happy? So now you're trying to make her happy again. But the way you guys do that is never all that conducive to the woman actually becoming happy. How does most men usually do that in your experience or your observation? Seems like usually what they do, they start trying to please her. They, they look at the stuff that she says that she she's disappointed in and they try and do more of that stuff. But typically when a woman is telling you, oh, I, you know, I can't believe you, you picked a fight with my cousin Steve at the family dinner again. Like, I'm, I'm getting so sick of this stuff with you. You know, the guy says, okay, I'm really going to try and be better around your family. And the next time he kisses up to cousin Steve, you know, stuff like that where you're, you start supplicating. It's not what she's really angry about. Hmm. This is a case of a man taking what she's saying at completely face value. Right. And obviously this is very easy to do in a monogamous relationship where you're you know, fulfilled and together and you're, you're a unit. So I guess men come at it from that angle where it's logical and it's like not like she might have other exactly intentions hidden behind her words. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guys aren't aware that with drama and anger, you have the underlying cause, which the woman may or may not know herself. But then you also have triggers. So triggers like, you know, if you've ever ever been in like a a bar fight with some drunk guy, you're not the reason that that guy was was really angry that night. Something pissed him Mm -hmm. off. Could have been his girlfriend ditched him at the bar or or whoever. Maybe he got fired from his job. But he's going around. He's looking for somebody to brawl with. And if you make eye contact with him, now he wants to fight with you. So, you know, after the fact, you may be looking back and saying, man, did I do something wrong by looking that guy in the eyes? I guess I should never look guys in the eyes. But that was just the trigger. You weren't actually the cause of that emotion. And it's the same with drama and and when women get angry. The thing that they're telling you the problem is frequently not the actual problem. So that's one of the issues with uh, purpose is the guy starts trying to make her happy because he thinks the relationship needs to be happy. And, And a lot of times he'll start doing that by supplicating by just doing whatever it is he thinks she wants or whatever she's saying she wants. And then he becomes frustrated because it's not making her happy, even though it's what she said that she wanted to be happy. And usually once you start supplicating, she actually becomes less happy because now she's got this guy that's kissing up to her and he's, he's acting like a, a manservant instead of like a man. <laughs> and yeah, it's just this downward spiral. I know we're still want to talk a little bit about mutual purpose and what it looks like, but I think this is a good jump off point also to talk about dominance and how that plays out in a relationship. Absolutely. I mean, time and time again, and you also mentioned this earlier, that you've seen many relationships where it's actually the woman that wears the pants and is the dominant one in the relationship. And incidentally, that also seems to be a lot of those relationships that last for a very long time, where the woman is maybe not clearly in control, but like behind the scenes. She's the one that wears the pants. Yeah. Yet we also know on Girls Chase and in all the research that we've done here and all our articles, to maintain a woman's attraction for you as a man, it's pretty clear that you have to be, in a way, the dominant man, kind of wearing the pants in the relationship and standing your ground. Mm-hmm. So how do these two things really interweave, right? I mean, like a lot of times uh, the man ends up becoming a project, 
for the woman in a relationship. Like over time, she wants to see where where his line is, where what he will cross and what he won't cross. And sometimes she also kind of wants to mold him and morph him into her ideal man. Sure. And yet, in the same time, losing her attraction for him in the process. So it's kind of like a catch-22. Mm-hmm. What's the man to do? That's a big question. So, so um, what's the guy to do to not be molded by her? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, why is it so important to have firm boundaries as a man? Yeah, well, uh, arguably the most important reason is actually nothing to do with a woman and everything to do with yourself, is that if you have anybody who's pushing you to do things that you don't want to do and that maybe aren't really in your best interest, you're going to see your own sense of self begin to erode, your own confidence erode, your feeling of control and autonomy in your life erode, and then you become less attractive as a mate, less attractive as a friend. If you end up having children with this girl, you're, you're going to be a less and less of a strong father figure. And there's a, a fair bit of research that shows that a strong father figure is pretty important, both for, uh, super important for the boys to grow up and, and become strong male figures themselves. And also for women to have healthier relationships when they become adults. Right. So it just has this kind of negative effect on you and then on everyone that is around you. So in my opinion, it's, it's very important that you know what your boundaries are and you don't cross them. So that doesn't mean that you have to be an insensitive prick, but you have to be the leader of the relationship and the guy who is steering the ship towards a destination that everybody wants to go to. And not something where you know, women will try to lead and they have good ideas sometimes. Sometimes their ideas are not good, just like anybody. Yeah. And your role as the man is to figure out, okay, yeah, is what she's saying, does that make sense? Is this something that's going to be good for me, good for her, good for the relationship, good for anybody else that is concerned, like children or family? And then you've got to figure out, is this something that we want to do? Or, or maybe there's maybe her suggestion that clues you onto something else. For instance, if, uh, you know, if you're living with a girl, maybe, and she's saying, I want to, I want a house, I want us to buy a house. So then that's an interesting thing to think about. So she wants a house. So a lot of guys will hear that and they say, well, I guess I better go get her house. Cause you know, she wants a house. She's going to be unhappy if I don't get her house. But the, the real thing to look at there is, is a house, a good investment for us for this stage of the relationship. So as a financial investment, a house depends on the, the, the market for real estate and it depends on where else you can put your money. A house may not be the best financial investment for you to make. Maybe it has some other benefits, maybe it ups security in the relationship, but it could be that she's already pretty secure in the relationship. And when she says she wants a house, it's not a, a super big deal to her right now. It's just something that she sees and thinks that might be nice. So it's important for guys when they're in these relationships uh, to not be just doing everything that she says, but instead to be kind of taking it in, looking at it, thinking about it, considering it, but you're still the guy who's in charge and you're making the final decision. In a way, you're kind of clearly stating your role. You're still the dominant one in the relationship. You're still wearing the pants, but you're at the same time involving her in her desires and her wishes. Right. And it's important that she doesn't feel like you're just ignoring everything she says and you only do what you want. Because if you do that, it's not really a partnership or a relationship. Then it's just yeah. two people who are screwing and, and spending time together. But you're kind of going <laughs> in different directions. So in a way, you want firm boundaries as a man that you never really cross. 
and especially in your dominance and how you're leading the relationship. Yet at the same time, there are some things and some areas where you want to be in partnership, like you said, so that there's actually progress being made with the two of you together in relationship with each other. Yeah. The more serious the relationship, the greater the amount of responsibility that's on your shoulders. So you can maybe think of it like a military commander or a business leader. You know, if you have if you're the guy who's the commander of the military unit, if he doesn't listen to what his men are telling him, he's going to walk them into an ambush or he's going to inspire a mutiny. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if he just does whatever his men tell him, then they're going to lose all respect for him. Uh, they probably don't have as clear a vision as he has at the top. And the chain of command breaks down and it's just anarchy and people end up getting shot. So hopefully nobody's getting shot in your relationships. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if if the chain of command breaks down or if, if you're just a, a crappy commander and you don't pay any attention to what the woman's saying, either one of those, then it doesn't work. So you have to have both parts where you are listening to her and you do take feedback and you do take that into your consideration. But you're still the guy that's calling the shots. Yeah, that is a really nice comparison, and I really quite like that. The idea of a man in a relationship as the military commander. And ultimately, I feel that, and probably you do too, where women feel most feminine when they have a strong man at the steering wheel of the ship, so to speak. They kind of feel more relaxed, more like they can do more of their womanly or motherly duties without having to worrying about taking on the man's role or just kind of staring where the relationship is going and how because ultimately this factors back into children right so she kind of settles more into an at ease feeling in her mind and her heart if she has a strong man there to lead her along and that is true for all women and i say that because if a guy is dating a stronger woman and maybe he's never dated a woman that's strong before you might think well maybe she really doesn't like to be dominated that much but with strong women, they still really like it when when a man can come along and dominate them. Not, not in like a, a completely, totally asshole way, but still kind of an asshole. But, you know, in a way that she feels considered and taken care of, and yet still this guy's clearly the dominant partner. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about dominance and submission a little more. Mm-hmm. What does that look like, ideally? I think a lot of guys maybe aren't so clear or kind of get confused about kind of where to draw the line and how domineering to be or how much in partnership you should you should be kind of where you should give her the helm and where you retain the helm mm-hmm. retain your dominance i guess the the clearest way to put it would be to say that you are issuing sort of uh the, some the requirements of the relationship and she is adhering to them or negotiating with you on whether this is something she should do or there's another way to do it. And if she wants something, then she's bringing that to your attention and you're making a decision on it. So uh, if you look at the female-dominated relationships, it's completely the, the reverse, where the woman tells the guy, okay, here's here's what you got to do, and the guy goes and does it, or here's what I want, and the guy goes and does it, and maybe he, he uh, kind of pings her and says, you know, it would be nice if we spent more time together on the weekends instead of you going out with your girl, girlfriends all the time. And then she considers it and decides if she's going to do that for him or not. Uh, that's the dynamic you don't want. So you want one where she's bringing issues to your attention and then you decide. Or if you have things you want her to do, you say, hey, we need to start doing this. And then she's going to either say, okay, or she's going to negotiate with you on it. Right. Okay. And what about being a provider? Right. I mean, ultimately, when you're in a relationship, you do end up becoming a provider towards her. 
to some degree. Mm-hmm. How does dominance and submission factor into the role of being a provider to a woman? Well, provider done right can be a very dominant role because you are a traditional provider where you're the breadwinner, uh, you're making the money. So this typically won't apply earlier on in your relationship unless you're dating. So some guys will date. Sometimes you'll see things where a guy is has a higher paying job and he'll date women who are poor or broke or he dates strippers or whoever and they don't have money and he provides for them financially. So they can start pretty early as far as provision is concerned. But usually being a, a full-on provider doesn't happen until you're kind of around a marriage sort of point and maybe even later because if she's working and making money and the two of you get married and you don't have children yet, it could be that she's making nearly as much money as you are. So you're not really a provider at that point. You're still just partners. But as she starts to withdraw from kind of the working world, from having her own source of income, as she starts to put more attention on taking care of you, taking care of any children that you end up having, at that point she starts to need to feel the security of here's a guy who's going to provide for me. And at that point, that's something that can be a really dominant role. It can also be a weak role if you're doing it from a supplicating standpoint, where she says, here's what we need. You have to buy me a house. You have to buy me this. You got to get me that. And the guy goes out and says, okay, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. But if you're doing it from a dominant masculine way, it's a highly masculine, what's the, what's the word? Not trait, not quality. It's a masculine enterprise, I guess. The guys that do it early on, I think it's more dangerous. So if you start providing for a girl, you know, you've been dating each other for three months and suddenly she's lost her job and you're like, it's okay. You know, I'll pay for your food for you. I'll drive you around. I know you can't afford gas right now. When guys start doing that, that's when you get into dangerous. This guy's doing everything for me, taking care of me territory. But she hasn't kind of given you the same level of commitment at that point. So uh, I really feel like provision is something you do when a woman is kind of put, made you the center point of her life, whether that's she's made you the center of her life, she's made taking care of children she's had with you the center of her life. When she's done that, then you're taking, you're providing for her because she's doing these things for you. When it's early in the relationship and you're providing for her, then, then the message is more like you're providing for her because she's giving you pussy, which is not a very good deal. Yeah. <laughs> so then she can kind of use the control of sex in a way to twice more or get more concessions in a relationship. Exactly. That's why you see these guys and she acts all pouty if he doesn't buy her what she wants. And so then he races out to get it and then he gets sex as his, re- his reward after he, uh, you know, buys her that knickknack that she was looking at. <laughs> wow. And ultimately that causes a drop in attraction in the long term for the man. He's still a weak supplicating guy and she knows that she has that power to influence him in whatever way she wants using her sexual energy. Yeah, he's using his money and resources to buy to buy sex <laughs> with her instead of using it yeah. to support a woman who's supporting him. Yeah. Now, do you think that every woman has the capacity to be submissive, you know, in relationship with a man? And does every man have the ability to be dominant in relationship with a woman? Or are, like, some people just dominant personalities and submissive personalities, you know, as is like off the bat. I used to wonder about this, but I've seen a couple of interesting things. So for one, I date a lot of pretty dominant women just because I like women who are financially and academically successful and who are outgoing and charismatic and have positive personalities. And these women tend to be really 
accustomed to bossing around whoever's around them. And with me, they become submissive because I'm just a fairly dominant guy and I'm not the kind of guy that's going to bend over even for a pretty dominant girl. So that's one thing that's kind of made me realize that even if she's really dominant with every other guy she's dated, if you are a very dominant guy yourself, she'll still submit to you and she'll like that she submits to you. And she'll start to experience these uh, emotions that she hasn't experienced with other men because she hasn't submitted to them. The person who's not in charge of the relationship always experiences a greater emotional volatility because these emotions, you get more emotions when you're not the one that's in control. So when she starts to yield control to you, she begins to experience more emotions. So she'll cause more drama, but she'll also feel greater amounts of love and devotion and affection toward you. The other thing I saw that reinforced this more for me that was really interesting was I read a bunch of firsthand accounts of prison rape. So if you know where that is, mm -hmm. like guys get thrown into prison. I don't know how it is there. <laughs> outside of the U.S., but what will happen, a lot of times it starts off when guys are, are fairly young, when they're in like juvenile detention, uh -huh. and a guy's first night in, other kids will kind of mark him as, as a guy that maybe is he's new, he's not used to the prison system, so you get a bunch of guys that'll get into a cell or they'll corner him somewhere, and then they'll just beat him up and rape him. And right. what happens is then they, they go around and they tell everyone, like, oh, he's a girl, he's a girl, you can use him. And as these guys get raped by everybody, their personality changes. They start to experience mood swings. They start to become more feminine in their behavior. They don't necessarily like it unless they're gay, but they learn to submit. If you read about pederasty in uh, Sparta, this is where boys of 13 would be given to soldiers, and the soldier would only usually have sex between the, the boys' thighs. Like anal sex was, was forbidden and, and uh, looked down upon. Right. But you still would have these relationships. It seems like from everything I've read, now, I don't want to gross anybody out with this stuff, but uh, it seems to me like every person has the ability to become submissive kind of encoded in them. Yeah. You put an animal in a cage and eventually it learns to submit. And so there's this tendency in humans, if you're involved with a more dominant individual and you cannot become the dominant partner, then you adapt to that situation or you get out. If you really don't like the situation, then you can just get out, you know. You're not going to force a woman to submit to you in a relationship, but if you're an attractive guy that she wants to be with and you are a dominant guy, then submitting to you may seem like a pretty good option to her. That's not prison rape we're talking about here. It's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a mutual <laughs> relationship. And she'd feel happier in that role also. I mean, if you're the dominant guy, then at the very least, she knows that she has a strong man that she's with, Yeah, which is very attractive. Oh, yeah. Very, very cool. And also maybe that you know, for some of these more dominant women that you speak of gives them an opportunity to kind of unwind and kind of lose that role when she's with you. Because mm -hmm. she's always maybe bossing men around at her job all the time, or she's in, you know, making crazy deals in finance or banking. Yeah. And it's just uh, not something she wants to be when she comes home to you. She just want to be shagged and just dominated and, you know, tied up or something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a certain appeal to just letting go and being the more submissive partner. And, you know, there are guys that are that are in finance or investment banking and they have these roles where they're barking orders at people all day and then they seek out women that dominate them because they just want that release of being able to submit to somebody. Hmm. I guess it works both ways. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Now, um, going back to an earlier topic and creating a purpose for a relationship... I guess the purpose and your personal development together are kind of intrinsically tied. Now, 
What are the styles of relationship development and how do they tie into a relationship's purpose? What do you mean styles of relationship development? Well, if I recall correctly in Girls Chase, you've talked about personal development and relationship development as either working towards children and family. So that's kind of the traditional model where people get together Mm -hmm. and they, you know, maybe they're dating for a while and then suddenly they're living together. Suddenly they're engaged. Suddenly they might be on the path to getting married and then they might be living together, buying a house and then working towards having children. Or maybe the other viewpoint of this is you're in a relationship together and you're finding ways that you can mutually grow by the other, maybe moving to different cities or pursuing a career together or a hobby together. I mean, what are the nuances of both of those styles and what do they look like? Gotcha, yeah. So what you're talking about really is a shared purpose for the relationship. So the yeah. the two big ones there are either children, really, is one, or some other kind of project that you're mutually working on together. And you can see healthy relationships that have both of these at the center. And really, children is just another project, too. So you'll see maybe like a a couple of probably the highest profile ones are some business executives and their wives or some actors and their wives. They may not have children together, but they have a pretty happy, healthy relationship together. And usually that's because the woman believes in whatever the guy's mission is or they're working on this jointly. So it could be she's really encouraging him to uh, go and be a business success or go and be an acting success, or they could both be actors and they're, they're enjoying uh, being with this other like-minded person who is actively developing themselves to be hopefully a great actor or at least a pretty good one. And then children's kind of the same thing. You know, you have these kids, you want to raise them well together, and, and it's a joint project that you work on. So whatever it is, the relationships that are successful over a longer period of time are the ones where the two people are working on something jointly together, which makes sense, right? You know, if you got a couple of friends who hang out, your buddies, you're going to tend to have the same hobbies or engage in the same activities together. And if you stop going to those hobbies or you quit engaging in those activities, you know, a lot of times you'll stop hanging out with those friends too, because the mutual purpose is no longer there. Yeah. So how do you create this in a relationship? You know, as I guess the, the counter maybe is what we see a lot of relationships where they do run their course and there's that excitement energy and that passion in the beginning, but people over time get bored or they're just kind of like the relationship falls into a decline or a neglect and there's not really that mutual purpose. So what does it look like to create that? Like, what do you look for when the girl and what you guys are doing together? Well, the easiest one is children. And that one's one that uh, sometimes people do and it's kind of planned, but a lot of times it's sort of an unconscious thing where they just start shagging without condoms and then babies happen because that's mother nature. So that one, that's the kind of natural purpose. And that's, you know, arguably why romantic relationships evolved, exist in the first place. It's something like 80% of Americans will have children, which is historically extremely high. In Africa, it's been as low as something like only 40% of men in Africa have reproduced. I think it was 80% of men historically in Asia and 60% of men in Europe. So for every guy other than uh, an Asian man, if you're living in America, your odds of reproducing are much higher than than the historical norm. Interesting. And for women, I think it's usually around 80%, no matter what continent she's from. 
So I guess you're saying kind of in certain societies, there's more of a delineation between the men who pass on their DNA. And yeah. Yeah. That could be that the guy just has a big harem and he sleeps with lots of women. And it does seem to be more common, especially in Northern Africa. Or it could be that men are just dying in droves and wars. So they don't get to pass on their genes. Oh, that's true too. Interesting. Yeah. I guess that has to maybe even makes the process and desire to get with women much more intense in those kinds of societies. Yeah. Back to a project. So children aside, projects, that's sort of one that is going to happen either. Um, so you can sort of plan it or engineer it, but it's really going to be how complementary you and her personalities are, mm-hmm. which is, in my opinion, you should always look for women that you have a highly complementary ambitions and drives and, and desires when you're looking for a woman that you want as a long-term partner. Because if you don't have that the relationship tends to break down. Even if you have children, it's going to be strained because you, know, you got these kids in common, but you got nothing else in common over the long term. Even if your personalities are complementary, if you want different things and you want to go in different directions, there's going to be this strain there as you're both trying to pull the relationship in one direction or another direction. Maybe you can give some examples that you've seen. Yeah. That's more clear for the listeners. So definitely. Yeah. It's not clear without examples. So one example would be, let's say you've You've got a guy and this guy is perfectly happy to sit on the couch and watch South Park and eat popcorn and drink a couple of beers every night. And that's sort of his, uh, his thing. And, you know, he works a job and just kind of a basic nine to five and he's happy with that. He's not really looking to do anything more. And he's dating a girl and maybe the girl just got out of college. She just got her degree. So she was fine with that lifestyle when she was in college, but now she's graduated and she's got this education and she wants to use it. She wants to start climbing the, the corporate hierarchy. And she has dreams of, of owning a nice house and having some good social status and elevating her socioeconomic status. And so now you got these two people and the one guy just wants to chill out and drink beers and work his, his uh, boring nine to five and he's happy with that. And you got this girl that wants to improve her lot in life socially and economically right and there's going to be a strain there because he's going to be unhappy with her because for him it's like why can't you just chill out just just relax just grab a beer plop down on the couch and for her she's going to be unhappy with him like come on can't you do something with your life like you're just you're dragging me down and so when you have things like that typically the relationship's going to fall apart and fray and it, it could be the other way around too you know maybe you're pretty ambitious guy and you started dating this girl because she was hot and sexy but now you find out that her life goals are really just underwhelming and she's just going in a different place than you are and it doesn't have to just be ambition you know it could be maybe you're really into snowboarding or skiing and this girl just doesn't want to get off the couch or she's just you know she's tired every weekend you're like hey let's go to the mountain she says no i'm tired oh you know i'm just gonna stay in and it's this way every weekend Maybe what she really wants is some guy that's going to hang out with her and spend time with her at home. And what you really want is an activity partner. And over time, both can end up pretty dissatisfied. Sometimes you'll see relationships where the partners kind of converge and the girl starts doing the activities. If the guy is an activity guy and maybe the guy spends a little more time at home. But uh, oftentimes, if you got that kind of a mismatch, it just leads to problems and eventual breakup. Hmm. Interesting. Now, have you seen it where... Either a man or a woman puts on this face in the beginning of the relationship that completely shifts 180 degrees when they're actually together for a longer period of time. Yeah, totally. Like maybe 
the guy is super adventurous, you know, when he first meets her. And that's what she likes about him. He just likes going out. He likes, you know, going on travels and trips and hiking adventures or snowboarding adventures. But a year or two of them being together, he stops everything. He just kind of wants to sit on the couch and drink his beer. Yeah, and that can happen for different reasons. One can be because the guy or the girl is putting on kind of a false face because this person thinks that that's what attractive members of the opposite sex are looking for in a partner. And, you know, maybe the guy's like, well, I got to be the super activity guy if I want hot girls to date me because they don't want to just sit around on the couch. So then he puts, you know, goes into overdrive trying to have this really impressive lifestyle. And the other one could be just that sometimes as you get older, your, your motivation to go out and do stuff falls away. Maybe your life has changed. Maybe if coming out of college, you had a lot of free time, so he did a lot of activities, but now he's got this job that just is is draining all his energy from him. He doesn't have the same level of vitality to go out and do that stuff anymore. So whether it's because of the false face or because of its lifestyle changing, if the other partner doesn't make that same change, then you can have problems that weren't there originally that begin to emerge. Right. If you stop doing all the fun activities, but she wants to keep doing them, you're going to find her really draining. Like, oh, come on, can't we just relax? And she's going to find you (laughs) just really you know, boring. And where's the guy that I met? The guy that wanted to go out and do fun stuff all the time. Now you just want to sit around like a lump. (laughs) God. Yeah. So that's another factor. Let me give uh, some, some strategy on that rather than just talk about the problem. So uh, strategically. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great to talk about the strategy of how to handle this or those feelings. Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of guy that does do that false face, then what I strongly recommend for you is that you consciously tone down whatever you do early on into the relationship. Not, it doesn't have to be a lot, but take whatever you would normally do and then do a little bit less of that early on. And then as the relationship progresses, you can start doing a bit more. So if you're a guy that, that wants to go out every single weekend and do fun, crazy things, and you like, like going to movies and restaurants and all kinds of stuff all the time, then early on into a relationship, maybe do that stuff with a girl occasionally, but maybe only about half as much as you would by yourself. And then you can always maybe not meet up with her every weekend and then you can still go out every weekend. Just go with your buddies sometimes and go with her other times. And if you're a big activity kind of guy, what you should really be looking for is girls that share that as well. You know, if you're having to pull her along in activities early on, that's going to be problematic later on because she might do that just to keep you happy at the beginning. But once things are more established, she's going to stop wanting to do that. So it is important to be looking to see how excited this girl is to continue doing all this stuff with you. Now, the other one is if you expect to have lifestyle changes in the future, you should try and plan around that. So like if you're in college and you're living your life one way, but you know that you're going to take a job, it's going to take a lot of time and and, uh, energy from you, then you might want to plan around that plan around living a more boring life later on. And uh, if she's a girl that's constantly go, 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 and she's not also going to be getting into a job that's going to drain a lot of energy, then you might be on different paths. And that would be something hard to get out of for some people. Hard to change partners or to change uh, trajectories? I guess both, in a way. I guess they're both connected. Another strategy can be if, if you know that you're an activity person and she's an activity person, then just don't take a job that's going to suck all your energy away. Look for jobs that are going to allow you to continue living the lifestyle that you want, which I highly recommend. Right. <laughs> if you don't want to do a lot of stuff and you just want to have like a nine to five and you want to go home and sit on the couch and watch TV and movies and that's a good life, then you don't have to, then you can work that kind of job. But if you want to have tons of free time and energy 
to go do a bunch of things, you probably don't want to have a job like that. You can still find a job that pays you well, but you have to look outside of the uh, sitting in a gray cubicle under fluorescent lights world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Maybe this would be a good chance to foray into how other sorts of emotions tend to come up in relationships that men and women have, or the lack of emotions sometimes even. See time and time over again that sometimes both the men, man and the woman, are totally bored with each other, or for whatever reason they're neglecting each other in some very important but subtle way, or not even so subtle it's just some very important way that could have catastrophic, you know, uh, results on the relationship. Or there's also the desire for a man or the woman in the relationship to seek out a partner outside of it, outside of the monogamy, because their current partner isn't doing it for them in some way. So, I mean, how do you manage these and like, how do they kind of show up and stem and maybe you can talk about that in a bit? Yeah. So uh, first off, it's going to depend on what kind of relationship you want and what kind of relationship she wants and needs. You know, one where the partners, it's kind of a boring relationship. That might sound bad, but there are some people that want that. They don't want an exciting relationship. They just want something where it's kind of steady and predictable and there's nothing too wild and crazy happening. There are plenty of guys that want this and there are plenty of girls that want that. You know, so long as you still have sex and it's not the most wild sex in the world, but it's it's good sex and they're satisfied with it. And, you know, they're not going out and looking for replacement partners because they got something that's just content. So that might not necessarily be a bad thing. depends on the person. There are other people that need a lot of excitement and they need drama. And if you need this, then for guys like this, it's particularly important that you remain a super dominant guy because if you're not really dominant, then there's a lot less incentive for her to be, you know. Drama tends to be caused by the person underneath pushing back on the person on top. So it's her saying, I want this thing and you're not giving me what I want. And then there's drama. Right. And then usually it's resolved by you giving her attention or sex, or there might be a real problem and you figure out what the problem is and address it. A lot of times it's just that she needs more attention or she's horny. Right. When the woman's in charge, most men don't get dramatic. They just kind of suck it up and do their duty and they supplicate. So when that's the case, even if you have partners that want a dramatic relationship, they can't have it. And you get this boring relationship where the woman's in charge and both partners are unhappy. So if you want an exciting relationship, it's particularly important that you remain a, a dominant guy. If you want a more boring relationship, then you want less distance between the partners, hierarchy-wise. You want a girl who's not as submissive towards you as you would see in a more dramatic relationship. Right. The, the gap between the partners is smaller. So you can actually manage your relationships this way, too. If you want a calmer relationship then you just don't dominate her as thoroughly. If you want a very exciting relationship, then you just dominate the heck out of her. So you can kind of adjust things this way. And different women will have different reactions. For some women, a lot of drama is just draining. It just sucks the life out of them and they get tired of it and they don't want to do it anymore. For other women, it makes the world go around. When they got that, then it's an amazing relationship because they get the tormented emotions and then they get the, the makeup emotions and feel the passion and the bliss and the joy and delight. And it's just this roller coaster that keeps them crazy about the relationship. So in a way, her attraction for the man goes up because he's giving her so many crazy whirlwind emotions of all kinds, yeah. up and down, up and down, you know, right and left. Ah, okay. So the more dumb, the more excitement you want, keep that dominance gap wider. If you want a calmer relationship, keep it shallower. But you should still be more dominant than her. 
at the end of the day, still want to be the dominant man. Yeah, <laughs> just less dominant yeah. if you want a calmer relationship. Okay. Now, what about a desire to seek out other partners? So that's going to depend on a couple of different things, both in the man and the woman. So part of it's just natural sex drive and novelty seeking. There's something called sociosexual orientation, which is really just how casual you feel about sex or not. And the more open-minded people are, the more comfortable they feel with seeking out other partners. And it's actually interesting to look at sex drive and sociosexual orientation are related. So the higher your sex drive is, the more likely you are to be sociosexually unrestricted, which means you're open-minded. And the lower it is, the less likely you are to be unrestricted. However, if you look at just the discrete factors, sex drive actually doesn't correlate with cheating, but sociosexual orientation does. So if someone's very unrestricted in their sexuality, they're more likely to cheat. So you could have a person who's high sex drive, but has a restricted sexuality and they won't cheat. Or someone who has a low sex drive, but unrestricted sexuality and uh, it might take them a little bit longer, but over time, eventually they're going to find someone and, and are more likely to stray. But I'll also add in that having an open marriage or doing swinging seems to be an increasingly popular option. Or maybe it's always been popular. That's another one where it seems like this must be some new trend, but it seems like it's occurred plenty throughout history. <laughs> yeah, totally. A lot of times married couples will they'll have children and they'll kind of start out as monogamous and then they'll just get to a point where it's like, you know, it's been fun, but we're kind of bored. Would you be comfortable you know, if we each had sex with other people and they find that they both seem like they're pretty comfortable, so they decide to try it out and then you get swinging. And there are other couples that would never want to do this in a million years and some couples that do and it just depends on the people. You know, I think this is an interesting topic because it goes into the importance of sex in a relationship. Maybe it's something kind of understated and yet so talked about, right? I mean, we always hypothesize in the media and in society that the best kind of sex that people can have are when they're in love with each other or when you're in a committed relationship and it's just kind of like fantasy of the happily ever after kind of thing we talked about earlier and how sex goes into that so i mean let's talk a bit about sex and monogamous relationships and how to maybe keep healthy high sex drive and high level of sexual connection between you two how do you recommend it well, you know, there's two kinds of good sex, like two kinds of good and exciting sex. One is sex with a new partner where you have the excitement and novelty, but usually it's not physically good or technically good. It's usually primarily that it's the excitement of exploring a new body or uh, as a man of a fresh conquest or as a woman of of being newly conquered by somebody else. Yeah. However, in a, in a more established relationship, you get the familiarity of two people who know each other's bodies really well. And that can, that can make for some really good sex. Uh, it generally takes a little while for you to get to know uh, someone else's body and start uh, becoming more in tune with her during sex and her becoming more in tune with you. But once you have, then it can make for much better lovemaking because your, your emotions tend to match. Uh, you tend to get a better sense for when this person is going to achieve climax and uh, what she likes to get there and she knows what you like to get there. Right. Another thing I've discovered is that with women I've been with longer, when I start coming close to climax, they will immediately begin to climax. Even if they didn't seem like they were that close to orgasm before. Whereas with a new girl, that doesn't really happen. You can be thrusting a lot harder and really excited and about to come, and she's just waiting for you to keep going and make her orgasm five minutes or ten minutes from now. So there's more of this uh, adaptation to how their partner's body works. 
one of the things that will happen in longer-term relationships is sometimes, particularly if you weren't very experimental with her early on, you can get locked into kind of a more vanilla sex, which may be disappointing to both partners, but then neither partner wants to bring it up. Yeah. Because the woman starts feeling like, okay, it's a more serious relationship. I want him to view me as, as a long-term candidate. I don't want to seem like a slut, you know. Uh-huh. Maybe if I... If I ask him for anal or I show them I can deep throat, he's going to lose respect for me or start to wonder about my background. So I better not do that stuff. Or even if she wants it, she might think, oh, I better not bring that up. You know, maybe he'll, he'll push for it at some point. And maybe the guy is afraid of rejection. Like, well, if I ask her for this and she says no, then, you know, then I lose some dominance in the relationship. Or he might feel like it would be disrespectful towards her. Like, oh, this is a really great girl. I don't want to tell her that I want to try that. Maybe she's going to feel like I don't really care about her and it's going to hurt the relationship. So in my opinion, if you're just starting a relationship, it's important to try all kinds of different creative sex things. And if you haven't and it's later in the relationship, then it's good to propose those things or try those things out. That can help keep the relationship spicier. As far as the excitement in sex... The excitement, from what I can tell, the there seem to be two drivers of the most exciting sex. And one is where there is a risk of impregnation. It's basically unprotected sex where you're going to come in her, or you might come in her. You, know, you can still pull out, but she doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, particularly if she's not on the pill. you know. And the other one is, is uh, if you are dominating her. So that'll be early sex early on in a relationship when you are dominating this new conquest. You know, she gives you some resistance. She says, oh, no, no sex tonight, next time, next time. And you break through the resistance and, and she accepts. And then the two of you sleep together. Or uh, it can be if you have a big fight and you get back together, that makeup sex is you re-dominating her. So that will tend to be really good right. sex. So if, it's, if there's a risk of impregnation or if you are dominating her in some way, then the sex tends to be more exciting for both of you. If neither of those things are happening, then the sex gets less exciting. And does sex getting less exciting or you know, boring or even not happening at all between couples kind of doom the relationship or does this enter a new phase? Well, it depends on the partners. It depends on the partners. It depends on the environment. Obviously, the more the more someone is sexually unrestricted, the more likely they are to say, I'm not happy to sex here. Maybe I should start looking outside this relationship. At the same time, I've seen some unbelievable stuff with, uh, are you familiar with asexuals? Have you ever seen those before? With someone who's an... Uh, yeah, I have, yeah. So that's like someone that, if you're a listener and you don't know what it is, apparently it's about 1% of the population. And these people just, they may not have a sex drive at all, or they have a sex drive, but they're not interested in real-life people. They only like cartoons or anime or whatever. And that's the only thing that can hmm. get to get them hard or get them wet. And so these people will tend to get into relationships, usually with what they call sexuals, you know, the other 99% of the population, just because there are more of them. Right. Because they still want to have companionship and romance and all that. And maybe they'll have sex in the beginning, but then once the relationship progresses, they just don't want to have sex anymore because they don't enjoy it. It's uh, not fun for them. I've seen things online on like asexual message boards where there are all these people that are like, I've been, I've been married to this, my asexual partner for 10 years, 15 years. We haven't had sex in like 10 years. You know, I don't want to cheat, but it's really hard for me. That's kind of the extreme example, but clearly there are people that will stay in extremely unsatisfying sexual relationships. Yeah. But I think it's good to assume that 
if the sex isn't that satisfying to her, then there's a high probability that she's not going to stick around. People like that are in the minority. Well, people will stick around for a certain amount of time, but it, the amount of time differs for uh, each person. You know, for every every person that's going to stick around for 10 years with boring sex, there are a lot more people that are going to take <laughs> off a lot sooner than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, feel like most people who have at least somewhat of a sex drive or sex desire, I mean, to be with a person, you know, you want that love and you want that sexuality and you want to release yourself with that person in as many ways. So a lot of the times the drop of the sex is what leads to the unhappiness in the beginning, right? Yeah. And a lot of times, yeah. You know, fighting and drama comes because sex isn't good or satisfying or there just hasn't been any sex in a while. It can lead to <laughs> oh, dissatisfaction man. in a relationship. Yeah. Now, actually, speaking of drama, that's another big element of relationships. I mean, how do you manage conflict? How do you, like, know that something is wrong and detect something is wrong, and how do you solve it? Well, you, you manage it by winning the conflict to preserve your dominance. <laughs> so it all comes back to dominance. <laughs> yeah. But with conflict, it depends on what kind of conflict it, uh, it is and how she's raising the problem. And you have different girls that have different styles and, and favor different strategies for making their issues known. So a lot of girls will do the do the sad, disappointed thing to start with, where they just kind of mope around and sulk for a little while and hope that you take notice. If you ask them what the problem is, they say, oh, no, it's nothing. I'm fine. You know, don't worry about it. So you can either try and solve it then, or if you just take them at face value and say, oh, okay, great. She said, there's nothing wrong. I'm just going to go about my day. <laughs> oh, God. Then the next thing that happens, yeah. Yeah, see, Varun knows what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it never ends well. <laughs> so that just kind of percolates inside her for a while until... And then it'll explode one yeah, day. Just all over your face. All over your face. Here comes the money shot of drama. And uh, she just, you know. Yeah, I kind of want to go the other you. way, though. You want to explode on her face, not uh, not on your own face. Yeah, that's definitely the preferred option. So with that, if it gets to that point when she explodes on you, typically the way that it happen will be with a trigger. And a lot of times that'll be the one where the thing you're hearing is the problem is not the actual root cause of her negative emotions. So that's the one where you can end up fighting a battle that's, that's completely the wrong battle. You know, she's telling you that she's disappointed because you just don't call her anymore. When in fact, the real disappointment is just that she feels like you've been ignoring her the past couple of times. The two of you went out with friends and you just talked to your buddies and just didn't even talk to her at all. And she felt out of place. Maybe that's the real problem. But now she's going to say that's you not calling her. So you'll spend all this time trying to solve this. Okay, well, I'm going to call you more often. You know, I can't call you all the time because I'm really busy, but you know, I'll try and call you once a week. And you solve this, but it's not really the real problem. So then the bad emotion lingers. And maybe once that's calmed down, then you get to the real problem. So it's much better if you can solve it earlier on when she's moping around. And not all women will do the sulking thing all the time. Sometimes they'll just jump straight into attack mode with no apparent warning. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe some of the more passionate women that we yeah. have. And it depends on the woman. It depends on what the problem is. You know, even the, even a, yeah. the uh, calmest woman with a bad enough problem may jump straight into going nuts. But if she's sulking, then the way to, to deal with it is just to, say, is to sit down with her and say, look, now, I know there's a problem. Let's just talk about it. And she'll say, no, no. She feels bad. She doesn't really want to talk about the problem. She just wants it to go away. Yeah. So some part of her probably hopes that you could just figure it out what it is and address it. But that doesn't work because you can't read her mind. And I would advise this. So... A lot of times when you see this, you may think 
oh, it's because of X thing that I did, and I've done this plenty of times. So I'm like, oh, man, it must be because of this thing. And either you'll start to address that problem or you'll go and think it's that problem, but then it turns out not to be that at all. So it's good not to assume that you know what the issue is. Just go and say, okay, well, just tell me what the issue is. I can think of multiple things. Maybe it is this, maybe it's not, but you know better than I do, so why don't you just tell me? And then she's still playing it off saying, no, no, I'm, you know, I can't, uh, I don't, no, it's fine. I don't want to, don't worry about it. And that's when you tell her like, look, hey, if we don't deal with this now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to sit there and you're going to think about it and you're going to feel bad about it. And you're going to feel worse and worse about it. And then at some point when it's really inconvenient for me, you're going to suddenly blow up at me and cause a lot of drama. And then we're going to have this big fight and then we're going to get really angry. And then maybe we'll have some good makeup sex uh, when we get back together again. But overall, it's just going to be a big hassle, and we can totally avoid that right now. She's telling me what the problem is. You know, just just kind of detail to her what the what the process will be, and usually she'll start laughing herself because she realizes, okay, yeah, he's right. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. And so many women have been through that whole process before. Yeah. Maybe not with you, but with other men that they know exactly what route they're going down to. Yeah, they know where that goes. <laughs> you know, so she'll she'll laugh and say, okay, God. well, you know, here's the thing. You got me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Now she starts. Uh, well, that's cool. Or should I talk about uh, strategies for if she's yelling at you and causing a big? Fuss? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, if if it goes to a point where it's just not even on talking terms, where you can't resolve it just by speaking it with her and like kind of defusing the situation, what are you to do as a man to still maintain your dominance in that relationship? What I recommend with those kinds of fights is try and stay calm at the beginning when she starts yelling at you and be like, okay, you know, what is this about? Just try and get her to talk rationally. If she won't talk rationally and she just attacks, then I find that it's usually better to verbally joust with her back and throw it back in her face. A lot of times when it's attacking, she'll just be attacking you about some random thing. She'll blame you for it. And it's better if you then throw it back at her. So, for instance, um, let's say you and her are arguing because she says, you know, look, I told you on Thursday that I wanted to go out with my friends this weekend. And instead... You told me that I had to come with you to this thing. So I had to call my friends last minute and tell them I wasn't going now. And I look like an idiot in front of my friends who finally thought they were going to meet you. And you canceled it again because I know you just don't want to meet my friends. So she's attacking you with something like that. What will happen to a lot of guys is they'll go on the defensive at that point. And if you go on the defensive, then then uh, that's when you're going to end up starting to supplicate or kiss up to her. Or you're kind of you're begging her, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. You're apologizing. Hmm. Right, right. It's not a good way to solve the relationship because, for one, the thing that she's talking about may not actually be the issue. And you're no closer to figuring out what the actual issue is when you're apologizing and supplicating. And for another, you're just trading in dominance points to try for appeasement. You're trying to make her feel better. You know, you may make her feel better temporarily, but she's lost respect for you. And that has much more negative long term repercussions for the relationship. So, right. So, what do you want to do in that situation? If she's not going to calm down and talk to you rationally, then you want to get her to quit the drama. And so you'll, the best way to do that is just to throw it back in her face. Be like, look. So you kind of like do what she's doing and take it another notch, maybe. Like another notch for the, on the emotional spectrum. Yeah. And don't worry if you can't do this very well at the beginning because this is a skill that you will learn as you do it more. The core lesson is one that you'll see in pretty much every military tactics book, you know, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. You can't win on defense. So if you're under attack, if she's not talking with you rationally, if she is blaming you, then it's attack. So you don't win by getting defensive. You win by going back on the attack yourself. So whenever you're under attack, you need to respond by attacking back. And what happens is once people are attacking each other, 
at some point the other person says, okay, this attack isn't working, so let's talk about it. And that's where you get to the point where she's going to talk rationally. So in, in the case of the example we talked about, that would just be something where you're like, hey, look, you know what? You told me on Thursday that you wanted to go. When I already had plans, and you just kind of sprung that on me, and I, I instinctively said yes, but without even thinking about it. But I've had these plans with my buddies for, for two weeks, and you're asking me to cancel it, and I thought it would be really cool. And then if you can kind of tie it into how it would be good for the relationship, that's an even nicer touch. And be like, you know, I thought it would be really cool for you to meet my friends. I was really looking forward to it. And now you're flipping out because I asked you to come meet my buddies. You know what? It's fine. I don't even want you to meet my friends. <laughs> so in a way, you're kind of taking the higher moral ground. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah. when you do stuff like that, then the girl's going to say, oh, wait a minute. Uh, like, okay, this isn't working. Like, she may try and attack you back and blame you some more, and then you just, you just play that game and just do it back to her. Obviously, keep your temper in check. You don't want to get too angry, but just, you know, make it clear that you don't like being blamed, and that if anyone's to blame, it's going to be her. And then once she comes down, you can say, look, you know, let's figure this out. We're going to talk about it rationally. And once she's talking about it with you rationally, then you, then you can sort it out. And a lot of times, once you get to that point, you'll talk about it. She sees you're open to talking about it. And then she goes, okay, well, the truth is that's not really the issue. Here's what the issue really is. And then she'll tell you the real problem. In a way, in a more like a emotional partnership, but you're still in partnership trying to pin down the problem and kind of reveal what it is so you can actually do correct the course of action that both of you can yeah. take. Yeah, and at that point, I think it's usually good form to encourage her to uh, bring problems to you more upfront in the future be like let's see you know next time just try and bring this to me let's talk about it rationally instead of blowing up at me and then we have this fight that doesn't do anybody any good and you know she'll still probably have fights with you but over time you can kind of train her to be more aware of why she's feeling the way she's feeling and then raise those issues with you uh, and then of course you have to actually address those issues because if you just ignore them then you're going to push her to have to bring it to a fight to uh, get your attention so you actually have to be paying attention to what she's telling you for that to be a viable alternative. Right. I guess sometimes you also recommend if you just can't really come to a consensus on an issue, you just have to either leave yourself or throw her out or kind of break up with her on the spot. Yeah, that can happen. If tempers run too high and it's just not going anywhere, then then uh, depending on whose place you're in, then you may just have to be like, okay, look, you know what? We're, we're obviously not going to get on the same page. Why don't you just go? How are we talk about this some other time? <laughs> or if it's you, then you're like, okay, well, you're not going to calm down. We can't have a rational discussion. We're not going to get on the same page about this. So there's no reason for me to be here and continue to listen to this. And I think when you do that, it's best to always give her a, a task or an assignment. And that is whenever you've calmed down and you want to talk about this rationally and tell me what the real problem is, and you want to work with me to figure it out, then let me know. But until then, I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to be around you. Once you calm down, let me know and we'll talk about it. Interesting. So what will happen half the wow. time then and there is she'll calm down and say, okay, let's talk about it. And the other half of the time, then you'll leave or, or you'll kick her out. Usually, in my experience, if she's the one being kicked out, she's a lot more likely to be rational. <laughs> if, all, if all she's got to do is stay there, then... But uh, a lot of times, both ways, will get her to calm down. But either way, you got to be prepared to actually leave or actually boot her out. Yeah, I guess that's the abundance mentality that we we always talk about over here. You know, you kind of want to have options and you want to still stay the strong and dominant person. We know it's not really going in the same direction or we have different plans, the girl and the guy. And there's kind of like a imbalance of clarity as to why you're in a relationship together. All right. So sometimes you come to a point in relationships where... Just a huge pattern I've seen over and over again, two years. It's like two years, two years, two years. A lot of relationships just decline and fall apart there there does seem to be like a seven-year one i've seen 
for couples that have stayed together longer, whether they have stayed in a in an unmarried childless relationship and it's kind of endured for a while. And this one seems to be a lot more common when both partners are starting off fairly young, uh, just because I guess the woman has more time to kill and eventually just reaches a point where, you know, she kind of goes past, it seems to happen more with logical women. She's gotten past the two-year drop and she said, well, you know, it's a good relationship. I'm just going to stay in it. And then eventually reaches a point where she just says, okay, I've waited a long time for this guy and it's not going anywhere. But that can happen really at any time in a relationship. But there are certain times that it happens more frequently than others. And what's happening when you see this emotion change is typically that the woman is realizing that the relationship has reached a point where it is no longer progressing. And she's begun to lose faith that it's going to take her where she wants to go. So it usually comes from the woman's point of view. Yeah. Now, it can be mutual because uh, what I've seen a lot of times is the point where this happens is the man also starts to invest less in the relationship. He begins to grow bored with the girl. He's less interested in doing as much with her. And I think the the question to figure out there is, or the, the tough part to figure out is who's really starting that process. I think what happens is the woman seems to sense that progress has slowed down. So she begins to push for more and the guy doesn't want it. So he starts to resist. As she pushes for more and he resists, he starts to get a little tired of it. And he begins to invest less and less in the relationship. There's also negative compliance to think about, which is it's the same as during a pickup when you're asking a girl for compliance and she doesn't give it to you. She doesn't invest. She starts to invest less and less. She gets less and less interested in this pickup, this courtship, because she just feels like, you know, like he keeps asking me for stuff. I keep not giving it to him. You know, the connection is just not really there. And the same thing seems to happen to men later in the relationship. She keeps asking you for progress. You keep denying it to her, and you just start investing less. And she senses this lack of investment and the lack of progress, and she begins to lose faith in the relationship. Right. This is probably the most common ending of relationships. It can happen, depends on what kind of relationship it is. If it's a long-term relationship, a lot of times it'll happen around the two-year mark. Um, If it's a friends with benefits or a casual sex relationship, a lot of times it'll happen around the three or four month mark. So it depends on what the relationship is and what kind of progress she expects or desires that you aren't giving to her or that you don't want to give to her. What was the other thing we were going to talk about? How do you end the relationship? Yeah. How do you do it in a way that you're both, neither party is hurt. And frequently, uh, sometimes the girl is the one that'll end the relationship. And sometimes it's actually the, she'll wait for the man to do it. She'll just kind of stick around in a kind of like a, this floating around kind of capacity. And both partners seem kind of lost as to what they're actually doing together. If it drags on long enough, the women will often end it themselves. However, you will also see women doing things to try and force a change in the relationship. Because at that point, they're very invested. They obviously like the guy. You know, they spent perhaps a couple of years vetting this guy. They know that he's a guy that they want to be with. So uh, to just drop that and go back into the dating world and start the hunt anew seems like it's maybe not the best option. But the best option would be to get him to change his mind and give her the relationship she wants. So you'll see girls do things like... They'll say, look, you need to do X or I'm leaving. Like, we need to get married or this relationship's just not going anywhere. Or you need to stop going out and partying with your friends or just I'm finished with this. Or uh, uh, the other thing that can happen is she'll do things that are designed to make you start chasing her. So that could be that she just stops. She just begins to withdraw investment from the relationship, oftentimes dramatically. Like, she just stops calling you or you call her to come over and she's just really, oh, no, no, I'm just, I'm just going to stay in tonight. If you then go over to her place, she acts really discontented. 
So that could be pretty successful with a lot of guys. Like a lot of times that'll snap the guy out of being in a state where he's like, ah, you know, it's comfortable. It's good. We can just stay in this, this relaxed relationship forever. And he realizes like, hey, wait a minute. This girl is getting really unhappy. And if I don't fix things, it's going to end. So you'll see guys that then start to supplicate. So one of the reasons I recommend the guys know where they're going with the relationship is because if you don't, you can end up like one of these guys where rather than you proactively leading the relationship in the direction you want or just pulling a stopper up when it's when it's uh, reached the uh, the end stage of where you want it to get to, you can end up in a situation where you're like, oh, I'm happy with it as it is. Oh, no, wait, she's leaving. Oh, no, I better keep her. I better they start to supplicate. And so then eventually they keep her, but it's only after they have damaged their their value and their dominance so and they've also shown her that this is a good way to get what you want from me just withdraw attention or affection or sex or just start acting unhappy start pouting and then you'll get what you want which is really bad precedent to set but that's one of the things that women will do another thing that they will do is have an affair or cheat on the guy yeah a lot of times that's done just to force the guy to realize oh wait a minute like i'm losing her She's not mine anymore. I better get serious about this girl. And that does seem to work. You know, a lot of times it ends a relationship, but other times I've seen lots of guys where that happens and they're like, you know, I just want her back. I just want to, you know, make it the way it is. I'm, I'm ready to marry her now. And if you're not at that point yourself or you're not in the relationship, you can kind of look in and you're like, this guy's crazy. Like this girl's cheating on her. Just dump her and find somebody else. But he's invested too. She's invested in him and he's invested in her. And she's really doing that to try and push him to give her the relationship she wants. She probably doesn't want to... Uh, you know, date this other guy that she had an affair with. So she kind of just snaps the switch in him yeah. in a way. It's just kind of wakes yeah. up. <laughs> the way that I recommend handling this sort of thing, if you're going to break up with her, is before it gets to any of that stuff where she's just getting really cold or withdrawing or you're pushing her to have affairs, because uh, these things are bad things for a woman to have to do. It affects her too that she's done this stuff and she's going to look back. She might feel bad about it. Or, you know, now in her future relationships, that can affect her. If it comes out, it's going to affect how future guys she's with are going to think about her. So right. if it's getting to that point where you know that you just don't want to proceed any further and you can tell that she's getting or increasingly unhappy, which she may be incredibly unhappy too, at that point, it's time to just be, again, the key is if you can just be honest about what you're feeling and what she's feeling, then you can make it a, a very peaceful and uh, harmonious end of the relationship. And that would just be... And that's what we're going for, right? Yeah. We're not going to hurt a girl or we're like leave oh, the other no. person just so debilitated that they can't get another person. Yeah, that's person. terrible. And people that do that do that out of neediness yeah. or confusion. Uh, it's, it's, it's never out of malice. Right. You know, the guy that doesn't know what he wants from the relationship, but he knows he's comfortable, he doesn't want it to end... So he tries to find ways to hold on to her without thinking about what the long-term picture is for him and for her. So this is purpose. Very important to have purpose, to have a clear end goal, what you want with the relationship. But the way to address that honestly is just to say, you know, hey, look, I can tell that you're really unhappy. You're increasingly dissatisfied with this relationship. And I know that's because you want it to proceed towards marriage and children or whatever it is that she wants. And then you have to tell her what you want and uh, try and disabuse her of, of any uh, false hopes that she might have, which is where you say, look, you know, you don't want to hurt her. You don't want to say, like, look, I never want marriage with you because then she's going to take that personally. But right. but you might say, look, I don't know if I want children. I don't know if I want to get married. It's just, you know, I know that this is something that, that people always used to do in prior generations, but I don't know if that's the thing for me. And uh, I can tell that that's what you want. And I don't want to be the guy that's that's here and holding you back 
and preventing you from going out and getting the guy that's really going to make you happy and give you the kind of relationship you want. And at that point, you're going to have one of a couple different responses. One is where she just says, like, no, no, I don't really want that stuff. And then she might bring up that there's a problem that she just wasn't voicing with you. And now because she's facing the end of the relationship, she decides, okay, I better be forthright about this. And she brings it up. And actually, it's it's a problem that's solvable. And you can go back to having a, a happy relationship together if you solve it. So that might be just like, you know, I've just uh, I've been feeling like you, you just spend less time with me. You give me less attention. And you say, okay, well, you know, I've just been distracted. It's not you. I've had some stuff I've been dealing with at work or whatever it is. Or, you know, my mom's been sick. I'm going to make a more conscious effort to give you more attention. And then maybe it goes back to the way it was. The other one is if you really did hit the nail on the head and it's what she wanted was for this relationship to make progress that you're not willing to give you, give her, then she's either going to try and bargain with you, which is where she says like, no, we don't have to do all that right now. I just want whatever, some lesser form of what it is she wants. I just really want you to meet my family. I don't have to know that this definitely is heading somewhere, but I need to know that there's a chance of it. Like, you know, would you ever consider marriage? Then she'll start pressing for like some some smaller concession. Right, and right. To me, that's the most dangerous one because you can potentially lead on a girl. You know, as the guy, you're like, you know, I keep this girl and I like her. We got a good relationship and I like having sex with her. So I can just tell her that, yeah, maybe, who knows, I could be open to that possibly someday. I don't know. Even though in your heart you're thinking like, I really don't want to hang around this girl long term. So that one's more dangerous both for her because she might be let on, but it can also be more dangerous for you because I've seen guys that do this and they tell the girl, yeah, sure, maybe. And she's not really the girl they want, but they hang around long enough and eventually they do give it to her. So they settle. (laughs) settle. But then, you know, maybe settling could be an okay option. And the other way that she can respond to that when you're telling her, you know, seems like, you know, I can't give you what you want. You really want this. Maybe you should go find someone else. Sometimes she'll just respond just stare at you, which can kind of be a, a subtle acknowledgement or maybe not so subtle. The other <laughs> thing she can do is just say, are you breaking up with me? So you're breaking up, which is she's not protesting it. So that's kind of a, a way of her indirectly saying like, yes, that is what I want. And uh, when she says, are you breaking up with me? What she's really doing is she's looking to be blameless in the breakup because uh, I think nobody really wants the blame. Most people don't want to look back and say, I'm the one that caused this relationship to end. They want to be able to come out with a clear conscience and say, hey, look, he broke up with me. So, you know, I have to go out and find somebody else. But uh, I think as the man, it's your responsibility, just like you're the leader of the relationship, you're responsible for her well-being as well as yours. It's also your responsibility that if you can't give her the relationship that she wants and needs, that you don't keep her there any longer than she really wants to be there. You set her free to go out and get the relationship she wants. Yeah, Exactly. You kind of be a responsible man, kind of look out for her, and then she'll probably value you more for that. Yeah, she'll have immense more respect for you if you break up with her in a considerate way, but where you're not afraid to take the blame. Where it's not this thing where she's like, are you breaking up with me? And you're like, well, you know, I don't know. I just want you to be happy. Instead, you're like, hey, look, if I'm right and this is what you want, then, then yes, then we should break up so you can go find the guy that's right for you because it doesn't sound like that's me. Exactly. Cool. Well, that's a hell of a discussion on monogamy, Chase. My God, <laughs> covered a whole lot of stuff. You know, what do you find as a closing thought? Like, what is so incredible about monogamy? Maybe this goes back to our first question, why people always settle into it. But I know that you yourself seem to prefer these as the ultimate relationships, right? Like they're the ultimate pairing of men and women. 
and growing together and pursuing development together. Yeah, I like serious relationships with girls. I think the the good thing is if you can find a girl that's a good match for you. Most important one for me, it's going to depend on what someone's goals are. But for me, I have a lot of things that I want to do with my life. And you kind of need the right people around you that can support you in that and provide either feedback or they can kind of check you when you're doing stupid stuff. So uh, one of the reasons that I really like women that are ambitious and educated and, and relatively rational is that then I have girls that can support me in my endeavors and girls that are positive and optimistic. You know, yeah. you got someone that's that kind of believes in you, which is important, especially if you're doing crazy stuff that's outside of the mainstream. You know, I'm not climbing the corporate ladder. So there's a lot of girls that will look at that and, and say like, okay, you know, well, this guy, what is this guy even doing? You know, this guy's just a putz. He's not working his way up. So am I wasting my time with him? <laughs> Especially if you get into the area where you might potentially be a provider for this girl. It's important that she's able to believe in whatever it is you're doing. So, And there's the saying, I don't know how much truth there is, but it seems to be relatively true, of uh, you become like the your five closest friends. And whatever girl or girls you're dating, if they are going to be part of your closest friends, particularly if they're women you spend a lot of time with, if you talk to a lot, if you have serious relationships with them. So for me, I like to be selective about what people I have in my life and uh, you know how much of an impact these people have on me. If you find a, a high quality girl, then it's pretty cool to keep her around and have that beneficial synergy going on. And you help and benefit her life and help her with her stuff and she helps and benefits your life and then it's just a good thing. But that's going to be different for every person. But I think that's kind of the, the sentiment that you want. You hear all the people that are like, you know, I married my best friend. It's kind of it's annoying cliche at this point. But there should be that element of truth that most annoying cliches have in them. If you can get past the, the I guess that's why they're cliches. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's true. You kind of look at your to your girlfriend, or she looks to you as her best friend, and you're in a way inseparable, and that's in its own way beautiful. Indeed, beautiful place to be. Wow, what a lovely podcast! Thank you, Chase. Yeah, most definitely. I know you're uh, putting together a new course on girls, Chase. Wanted to get a quick teaser on that. Actually, what is it all about? Sure, yeah. I guess there's a lot of research that you found that really, you know, ultimately comes back to even this subject on monogamous relationships too. We've done a ton of research. We're actually up to about 800 scientific studies in the course so far. Uh, about 120 of those are in the core package you get on purchase. The rest of the course is monthly. I did not want to overwhelm guys. There's so much material here, so we spread it out across several months. My goal was to take everything on girlschase.com plus my own new material, and I wanted to create the most science-based program ever. Yet I also wanted to make sure it was easy to learn and fun, and I think I did that. We have a really fun course, and it's packed with great info. There's a lot of stuff here you have never heard in pickup or mainstream dating advice ever. And we actually have a completely new model for dating. It's sort of like VAC, Value, Attainability, Compliance but it also corrects for the biggest problem of VAC. VAC tells you how to create attraction. It does not tell you how to get girls in bed. That's what this model does. You can use it to meet girls. You can use it to take it with you um, on dates. And it even tells you how to keep girls as girlfriends. It's extremely powerful. I don't want to let on too much more now. We shoot the video at the end of June. It will take about two weeks to shoot because there's so much content. The way we have it set up is you get the core package when you buy, and then the rest of the content is an expansion pack called the Dating Artisan. 
An artisan is a craftsman who combines passion and expertise to create works of art, and that's what this course aims to turn you into. I don't want to release the name of the core purchase yet. That's the name you'll hear the most before we launch. The angle for the course is unique. I don't want to spoil it until we're a little closer. So we think it'll be about 45 hours of video. I broke it up into 11 modules. You get the core package of six videos and a book at purchase. And each module comes with four more videos and a book. The book for each module covers all the stuff in the videos. So if you want to skim, you can skim through the book. But if you want all the detail, watch the videos. And if you want demonstrations, watch the videos. So it's a deep course. There's tons of how-to here. Everything is step-by-step, -step, loads and loads of science, and huge amounts of brand new information, too. Uh, I thought before it'd be 10% new information. It looks like it is, in fact, about 20% new information, which is giant for something this deep. Anyway, I'm juiced. I designed this thing to be timeless. I want guys to study it a thousand years from now. Uh, I think they will be. Not to sound like I've got too big an ego or anything. It's just the most complete, intuitive, practical course on dating ever built. And it will get you laid, get you awesome girlfriends, and you can even be monogamous with them if you want. Your choice. I'm sure it'll be as valuable and informative as this giant long podcast is too. Maybe, you know... <laughs> I mean, this is definitely one, to, maybe so much information in there, it's hard to condense, you know, the experience we have in monogamous relationships into just one podcast. But at least here's a start, and I really look forward to your course too, Chase. I think it'll be awesome. Very, uh, very groundbreaking. Cool. All right, well, thanks for being on again. And uh, that's, again, wraps another episode of the Girls Chase podcast. Varun, always a pleasure. All right, talk soon. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Girls Chase podcast in about a month's time. Until then, I'm Varun Raja, signing out. Mm -hmm.